Well, good evening, everybody. How are y'all tonight? It is so, so good to worship with you guys, as always. I love just looking around the room and seeing people entered into God's presence, seeing people kind of lost in worship. Thank you, Mike. Um, I'm excited about tonight. I've been looking forward to tonight for a long time. And as you can see, we kind of changed up some things tonight, so it's going to be pretty good. Okay. <laughs> Things I should have done before service. Um, so tonight, we're starting a brand new series for the month of March. And uh, as I said, I've really been looking forward to it because um, we're going to just break down a powerful chapter of Scripture, which is in... A psalm of David, and it's the 139th chapter of Psalms, and so we're calling this series Psalm 139. It's a creative title, I know, but what it's really about is, uh, it's not about just blazing through a passage of Scripture. It's about just taking some time, we're going to kind of camp out in Psalm 139, and I'm actually going to just cover the first six verses of this chapter and we'll, uh, we'll finish the rest out through the month of March. But uh, we're going to camp out there, and um, I want to I read these scriptures to you, okay? So uh, they'll be on the screen, but I want you to just really let these sink in. Psalm 139, starting at verse 1. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in, behind and before, and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, and I cannot attain it. What I'd like to do is I would like to start in verse 6 and just kind of work our way backwards if we can do that, okay? So verse 6, in the message version, it puts it this way. This is too much, too wonderful, I can't take it all in. How many of you enjoy watching a sunset? Any sunset lovers? Okay, I love watching a sunset. But you know, if uh, the sunset only occurred, let's say, once a year or, or once every 25 years that you ever saw something like that happen, can you imagine what kind of event it would be? It would be a huge deal. Everybody would be out on their lawns. They would probably be gathered together with their families, and everybody would be watching the sunset, and it, all these cameras, taking pictures, videos, it would, be, it would be the event of that year. It would be huge. And so I, it, since it happens to us, we get a sunrise every day. We get a sunset every day. And so we kind of take it for granted. And if we go without seeing the sunset, that's fine because there's going to be another one tomorrow. I think it, it can be that way a lot when we talk about the love of God. Now this psalm, <clears throat> such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high and I cannot attain it. I think sometimes it, it's so awesome, but sometimes it's like the sunset. We, we 
kind of take it for granted. The love of God is so powerful. It's something that we should be in awe of. But sometimes we get kind of dull of hearing it. I mean, we, uh, we hear so often that God loves us. And you hear so often that Jesus died for me. You hear that a lot. And it's, it's as loud as it's ever been, but sometimes our hearing grows dull to it. And so we've got to sharpen our hearing. And we've, <clears throat> Jesus was always saying, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So how can we do this? How can we sharpen our hearing? How can we sharpen our zeal? Well, we have to spend time with God for ourselves. We cannot take somebody else's word for it. We can't rely on somebody else to, to get in the word of God for, our, for us. Okay, You can't rely on me to, to give you the scripture each week because that's just not enough. You can't, allow, uh, you can't rely on somebody else's prayer life. You can't rely on somebody else's fellowship with God. You've got to dig in and experience God for yourself. And when you do, then it's like what David said, wow, this knowledge is too wonderful for me. It, it, it blows you away. When you look at that beautiful sunset, pictures don't do it justice. In fact, if, if somebody were to show you a picture of a sunset, like, hey, took a look at this, take a look at this. Oh, yeah, that's cool. That's okay. But it's not the same as if you were there. Have you ever been at, a, at an amazing place, like amazing mountains or, or amazing waterfalls? Some friends of, my, uh, friends of mine, we went camping a while back and went to this uh, amazing waterfall. And uh, I'm taking all kinds of pictures. And when I get back home, I'm showing my wife these pictures of the waterfall. And she's like, wow, that's cool. But it, the pictures just don't do it justice. It was so much greater than that, and you had to be there. Well, that's the way that it is when we're talking about the presence of God, being in presence of God, spending time with God, spending time in Scripture. That's what we're talking about. You have to be there. You have to be present, and you can't take somebody else's word for it. You can't even take my word for it. You've got to do it for yourself. When your walk with God is secondhand, then you become dull of hearing. It becomes Spending time with God becomes another thing on your to-do list. But when your walk with God is present tense and it's firsthand, then it's like David said, this is too wonderful for me. I can't take it all in. All right, let's go to verse 5. Where, again, we're working our way backwards. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. You hem me in. Okay, I looked this term up, and I wanted to know more about it. I looked it up in the, the Hebrew, and it's actually kind of a military term. It kind of means that God has fortified himself around us. He's kind of enclosed us, encamped around us. If you can imagine a, a fort with like a bunch of sandbags all around us, he's in front of us, he's behind us, and he's hemmed us in. He's keeping us safe. He's watching over us, and his hand is on us. I love that, don't you? Just imagine, I know that we can't feel it, but we don't need to feel it to know that it's happening. God's hand is on you. God loves you. You know when you put your hand on somebody, just walk up to somebody, just put your hand on them. You got to know that person well. You got to love that person, right? Well, that's the way that God is with us. He puts his hand on us, and his hand is on us all the time. All right, verse 4. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it. Altogether. Before a word is on my tongue, 
Behold, O Lord, you know it all together. This reminds me of something that Jesus said about prayer. He said, it's in Matthew chapter 6, When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. That's kind of comforting to know that you don't have to have the perfect prayer, right? You don't have to sound really eloquent. In fact, Jesus talked about this a lot. He's like, you don't have to have the, a very eloquent, great-sounding prayer. In fact, your Father knows what you need before you even ask him. This is kind of nice. Sometimes when you've got a lot on your mind, you don't have to sit down and, and communicate everything to God. God knows. But you could just sit down and say, God, I trust you. And God, I thank you. You know everything that I'm going through. You know what I'm dealing with. You know how stressed that I am. I thank you. You know my needs before I even ask them. So it's kind of reassuring to know that God has already searched out uh, what we are about to say. He, he, he's way ahead of us. Um, <clears throat> look at verse 3. Psalm 139, verse 3. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. I like this a lot. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Our path is something that we wonder about a lot, isn't it? We wonder about our path. We wonder, what is my path? What is the path that God has called me to walk? Who am I, who am I called to walk on this path with? Who is God sending into my life? What am I supposed to do with my life? It's very reassuring to know that God has already searched out our path. He, he knows what it is. He knows our path, and he even knows our lying down. What is that talking about? What is David talking about when he says, you, you've searched out my path, and even my lying down? I think it means that God, he knows our path, he knows our future, but he even knows when we lay down. He even knows when we stop and we take a rest and take a break. I think it means that God has his eyes on the big things and on the small things. And so God is with us throughout everything. Sometimes when we're going through something that's really, really big, really stressful, God, you know, where are you? God, I need you in this moment. Well, God is there in that moment and in, in every other moment as well because he loves us and he's there. He's got his hand. He's fortified us. He's hemmed us in. His hand is on us, and he hasn't left us alone. So if you guys are stressed about anything, here's what I want to tell you. Don't stress. Just relax. Take a nap. Sometimes, uh, Joyce Meyer said, sometimes the most spiritual thing that you can do is take a nap. Can I get a good amen? <clears throat> this is what Jesus did. In the, in the Gospels, when Jesus and his followers, they were in a boat. They were crossing a big lake, and a storm came up. And the, the, the wind was so powerful, and the waves were getting so big, they're rocking back and forth, they're taking on water, water's coming over the edge. And throughout all of this, Jesus is sleeping in the bottom of the boat. And the disciples are all yelling out like, we're going to die, this is the end, we're perishing. And they finally go and they wake up Jesus and Jesus is just relaxed. Remember, he just woke up from a nap. And he just stands up and he says, peace, be still. And immediately there's peace. 
and there's calm, and the storm is gone. And then he looks at the disciples. Why did you have such little faith? Why did you doubt? I think, it, I think we're going to get to the end of our lives, and we're going to look back on all of our years. And we're going to say, why did I doubt? God had his hand on me. He hemmed me in. He searched out my path, even my lying down. He's acquainted with all of my ways. He was always there. He wasn't stressed. So don't worry, okay? Just relax. And if you, if you guys are going through some really, really difficult times, if you feel anxiety and you feel a lot of stress and a lot of pressure on you right now, I just want to speak over you, peace, be still. I think that's what God is saying to you tonight. Peace, be still. The word says, be still and know that I am God. All right, verse 2. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. God knows all of our thoughts, even our bad ones, and he still loves us. He knows what we're thinking, and there's no point in trying to hide from God. Sometimes we do this. It's like Adam and Eve. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they disobeyed God. They used to walk with God in the cool of the day. It was a, really a beautiful picture. But when they disobeyed God and they sinned, they felt ashamed. They, they realized for the very first time that they were naked. They tried to cover themselves up with leaves, but they were hiding from God. How are you going to hide from God? <laughs> He's walking in. Hey, where are you guys? He knew where. It's like playing hide-and-go-seek with your kids, you know, with my kids. I'm like, where are you? I know where they are the whole time, right? Where are you guys? Uh, but they're hiding from God. But, and we, we might think that that's foolish, but you know what? We do this all the time. I mean, if you think about it, we, we, we do something stupid, we make a mistake, and then it's like, oh, I haven't talked to God in a while because I don't want to talk to him about that thing that I did. I haven't gone to church in a while. I haven't been around my Christian friends. I haven't read the scripture in a while because in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, I don't want to face the music. Like, I don't want to go to God. I'm, God might be mad at me. God is not mad at you. And there's no point in trying to hide from God. We don't physically try to hide from God, but sometimes we spiritually try to hide from God. And there's no point in it because he knows when we sit down and when we rise up, he discerns our thoughts from afar. God knows everything about us. And there's a comfort in that because no one knows us better and loves us more. Okay, There's a comfort knowing we don't have to explain ourselves to God. We don't have to communicate everything that we're thinking because he already knows. So we could just get real. We could get authentic before God and just whatever it is that we've been hiding from him, let's just talk it out. He already knows everything, so let's just deal with it. God, I repent. God, I love you. I don't want to do that again. I'm praying for the strength to overcome that when that comes up again. God, I need you. More than ever before, I need you. And that's how we come back into the light. Verse 1, Psalm 139, verse 1. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. Let's think about that for a second. You have searched me and known me. God knows me. Everybody say, God knows me. One time uh, I went to 
Mount Pleasant, and I was wanted to go to this bike store, and there's this place, this store called Mike's Bikes in Mount Pleasant. So I go in, and nobody else is in there except for the guy running the store. And so I'm just shopping around, and it's really quiet. And then I just happen to see through the window this um, convertible car just kind of whips in the parking lot real fast, and it parks. And I just kind of look out. It was kind of a, it was a real nice car. I don't remember what it was, but it was nice. And I just looked out there, and I see behind the wheel is Bill Murray, the actor. And I get all excited because Bill Murray is like one of my favorite actors, and he's a comedian, and he's just great. I love Ghostbusters and Groundhog Day and all the great Bill Murray movies. And so uh, I, I'm trying to think about what, what do I do? What do I do? And, and then he walks in. And uh, so I, I walk up to him and I say, uh, hi, Mr. Murray. Um, I was wondering if I could get a picture with you. He just kind of looks at me like I was bothering him, really. And he's like, yeah, I guess we can do that. But listen, I don't want to see this picture on the Internet. And I'm like, Okay, no problem. This was a while back. In fact, I had a flip phone. So I'm like, I got a flip phone. I don't even know how to put this thing on the internet, okay? It didn't take very good pictures at all, but it was a flip phone. And so I asked the, the guy running the store, hey, could you take a picture of us? And so it, he takes the flip phone, and, he, and there's me and Bill Murray, and he takes this picture, and he gives it back to me. I'm like, ah, oh, thank you so much. And then Bill Murray just immediately turns to the guy and starts asking him a question about a bicycle, and I didn't really get to say, like, goodbye yet, you know? I mean, like, I wasn't finished with this encounter with Bill Murray. And so I, I, like, stuck out my hand, and I said, oh, it's such a pleasure to meet you, Mr. Murray. And then he, like, just looks over at me again. He just, like, looks at my hand, and there was this kind of awkward pause because my hand is just out there. I'm very vulnerable, you know, just out here with my hand. He's not meeting my hand. And he just goes, what is it with you? And he finally, like, reluctantly shook my hand, and I'm like, okay, that's it. I, like, I pushed it too far, and that's all I can ask of him. And then, and then I went on my way. But here's what, I could tell you that I know Bill Murray, but you know what? Bill Murray doesn't know me. He doesn't know me. And you think about your favorite singer, your favorite actor. You feel like that you know them. You know, you might know where they're from. You might know their background and how they got into music. You might know all the styles that inspired them. You might feel like you know them, but they don't know you. And that's kind of disappointing, but not when you think about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, because he knows you. Isn't that cool? Like you know him and he knows you. In fact, he knew you before you were in your mother's womb. He said that to the prophet Jeremiah, before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you. I, I thought you up. I dreamed you up. God knows you. Even before you ever knew him, he knew you. And I'm thankful that we have a God who doesn't reluctantly shake our, hand, our hands, right? That God doesn't reluctantly say, what is it with you? Like, he's not like that. He knows us and he welcomes us. In fact, he is the father in the parable that Jesus told of the, the prodigal son. God is the father that is out there looking down the road, looking and waiting for the prodigals to come home. And when they come home, he embraces them. He embraces us. When we come home, he puts a new robe on us, new sandals, 
the family ring on our finger. He knows us. That is the catalyst for us to know him. It's because he knows us first. And the scripture says that we love him because he first loved us. If we're having challenges loving God, and let's be honest, sometimes we love life more than we love God. Sometimes we love things more than we love God. If you look at your, your bank account, you look at your, your calendar and how you spend your time, you can tell what you really, really love. You make time for what you love and for who you love. And so, but God loves us. And if we're struggling with our love for God, with our passion for God, what we need to do is we need to meditate and just think about how much that he loves us. And that'll be a catalyst for us loving him. If you're, uh, if you're thinking about going on a trip, thinking about going on a road trip, a little vacation, who do you want to go with? You want to go with somebody that you know, right? And not just that, but you want to go with somebody that you love and somebody that loves you. You don't want to go on a trip with somebody that hates your guts, right? You want to go with somebody that you love, somebody that you know, and it's so refreshing to, to go through the adventures of life that God has called us to, that path that he's searched out for us. It's refreshing to know that we can go with him because he knows us. He knows us and we can know him. And so it's a, it, if spending time with the Father, if it ever becomes a task, then we're doing it wrong. Because it should be refreshing. It should be a joy to get in the presence of God, to, to turn off whatever it was you were listening to and to put in some worship music and just to get in the presence of God as you're driving down the road or just to take a break and spend some time with God and, and, and walk around the block and pray or just to sit down with your Bible and say, you know what, I'm going to read a psalm right now and I'm just going to allow God to speak to me through this. You can read Psalm 139. <clears throat> he tells us we can come boldly to his throne. Because, why? Because he knows us. So, one of Jesus' followers, the most famous follower that we know, one of his disciples, Peter. Peter's like one of the most well-known. And Peter had told Jesus that he would never let him down and Jesus said, Peter, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows in the morning. And Peter is like, no, you know, I would never do that. But sure enough, Jesus was arrested. He was put on trial. And while he was on trial, Peter's kind of out there. He's not real close. He doesn't want to be real close to Jesus because Jesus, he doesn't want to be in the same position as Jesus. But he's kind of out in the courtyard outside of this trial that was happening. And people keep coming up to him like, you're one of his disciples. You're one of his followers. And three times, Peter denies that he even knows Jesus. And then he hears a rooster crow. And he remembers what Jesus had said. And he goes out and it says that he wept bitterly. And so he was crushed from this whole experience. Jesus himself had told him, he's like, Peter, I know that you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows in the morning. So 
Jesus was crucified, died on a cross. They took him off the cross. He was dead. He was put in a tomb, and the tomb was sealed shut. And so it looked like it was over. It looked like it was done. And what does Peter do? This kind of goes back to his old lifestyle. Thing that he, the only thing that he knew before Jesus ever called him to be a disciple, he goes fishing. And the other disciples go, well, we're going to go with you. So they all get in the boat, just like the old days. They get out in this boat, and, they're fi- and they fish all night, and they don't catch a thing. And then the next morning, when the sun comes up, there's somebody over on the shore. Somebody, they can see there's somebody. They don't know who it is. And he yells out to them. He says, friends, have you caught any fish? And they said, no, fished all night, haven't caught a thing. He says, friends, let your nets down on the right side of the boat and you'll find some fish. So they said, okay, whatever. They put their nets down. This whole thing must be feeling a little bit familiar. They let their nets down, and it's such a huge catch of fish that they can't even haul it in. And when Peter, Peter just looks over there on the shore, who is that? See, the guy on the shore knew who Peter was, even though Peter didn't know who the guy on the shore was. The guy on the shore knows who we are. Even when we don't recognize him, even when we don't know him, and I don't understand what he's doing in our lives, and even when he knows the mistakes that we've made. See, he knew that Peter was going to fail even before it happened. And he knows that we're going to sin even before we sin, but he still loves us. And so they're trying, they see this huge catch of fish about to break their nets, and John, one of the other disciples, is standing behind Peter. He says, It's the Lord. When Peter hears this, he just jumps off of the boat into the ocean, and he begins to swim to Jesus. And it says that the other disciples, they, they got into a little boat. You know, because if you're in a big boat, you can't bring it all the way up. It's going to get stuck in the sand. And so you have to just anchor it out there, and, you, and they get in this little boat, and they kind of just row over, and they, you know, they were doing what any normal fisherman would do, but not Peter. He just jumps into the ocean and he swims to Jesus because he finally knows who that is on the beach. It's Jesus. And I just want to encourage you with this word tonight. God knows you. He knows your failures. He knows your dreams. He knows your situation. He knows your storm. And it's okay. He'll say, peace, and he'll calm the storm in your life. But sometimes when you don't recognize who he is or recognize what he's doing, he still knows you. And so Peter swims to Jesus, and they eventually bring some of the fish, and Jesus actually cooks them breakfast over a fire of hot coals right there on the beach. And Jesus basically says, I want you back on my team. He says, do you love me? He says, yeah, I love you. I want you to take care of my sheep. He was talking about being a leader in the church. See, just because you've made a mistake doesn't mean that God is done with you. He's a redeemer. He's a restorer. 
He knows you better than that. Your mistakes don't define you. His calling on your life, who you are in Christ defines you. You know what really defines you? He knows you. He knows you, and he knows you well, and he still loves you. So I want to just challenge you. Don't wait for the little boat. Jump in. Dive in. Don't be patient. Don't wait for yourself to get get your act together. Jump in. Dive in. Swim to Jesus. Be passionate about him again because he knows you. And since he knows you, that means that you can know him too. And you can know him well. I want to ask the band to come back up for a few minutes. I want to do another song. But I just want to ask the rest of you, do you find yourself in that position that Peter was in? Do you find yourself like, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. I don't know myself anymore. I thought I knew what God was doing, and then I messed it all up, and it looks like it's over, and everything that I thought was right has turned out as wrong. And for Peter... When Jesus needed him the most is when he experienced his biggest failure and he just dropped the ball. I want to tell you, God knows you. He knows that you've dropped the ball. He he knows when you've crossed those lines, but he still wants to know you and he still loves you and he wants you to know him and he wants you to love him. Take comfort tonight in the fact that God knows you and he loves you. Bow your heads with me. I want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you know us. I thank you that you're acquainted with everything that we're going through. That you searched out our path. That you fortified yourself around us. You've hemmed us in and your hand is on us. I thank you that you'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us because you don't leave the ones that you know, the ones that you love. And so, Lord, we need you tonight. We're hungry for you to work in our lives tonight. We're asking you to do a new thing in us. We want to know you, Lord. We love you because you loved us first. We want to know you because you knew us first. I want to just ask, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I just want to ask you, if you were here tonight, you'd say, Kevin, I just really needed to hear this message tonight. I've been far away from God. I want to get right with God again. I feel like I've messed some things up and I just want to be restored and I want to jump out of the boat and I'm ready to connect with God again. I'm ready to make it right. If you'd say that, I just want you to slip your hand up in the air. I want to pray for you. pray for you right now. 
Lord, thank you so much that you're a God of more chances and that your mercies are new every morning. And I pray for the ones that raise their hands. God, I pray that you'd comfort them. Tell them that you're not mad at them, that you still believe in them, you still know them, and you still love them. And I pray that you'd bring peace to their storm. And I pray that they would know you intimately again. Restore them and remind them, Lord, that you still have a calling on their life. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you all stand up with us?